Welcome to the Baptist Pulpit. This podcast is designed to introduce to the audience Baptist preachers, both living currently in America or across the world, and also to introduce classic speakers, men of the past. There were Baptist preachers that have inspired men like myself for years to preach the Word of God. And they also, through their preaching, highlight Baptistic principles. Our speaker for today is Dr. Scott Hanks. He is the pastor, the senior pastor of Heritage Baptist Church in Lawrence, Kansas. He's been there for over 27 years, and God has blessed him and his wife uh, there in the ministry uh, in Lawrence and abroad. Uh, He's led the church through building projects and missions increase, and then also God has led him to start a printing ministry many, many years ago called Mercy and Truth. And the printing ministry has expanded a lot over the years. I would highly recommend it, challenge you to look it up and get some resources. He trains young men and women through their Bible college. His wife, Stacia, and Scott have been married for 29 years, blessed with eight children, two grandchildren. I pray that the message today will be a blessing to you as you listen to it. Thank you so much. Genesis chapter 2 now. Would you look back at your Bible? Let's pick it up in verse 15 again. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Verse number 18 says this, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Verse 20, And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man." And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she should be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now, church family, we've already prayed. I want to talk to you now. I want you to think for just a moment here. Adam and Eve had the perfect marriage. And I want to tell you something. We often say, you know, uh, marriage is ordained in heaven, but they're made on earth. And there's a lot of truth in that statement. And I want to tell you that there's going to be problems in your marriage. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news. And I know that we live in a very fairy tale world. And I want to tell you something. The fairy tales have gotten worse. Or if you want me to follow me for a second here. It used to be, you know, the, the fellow's going to come up on his uh, faithful steed. He's going to put you on the back of the horse. And you're going to ride off into the sunset and live happily ever after. Hollywood has portrayed 
forget, the, forget that. You can have this fellow, this fellow, this fellow, this fellow. It doesn't matter which one you're with. Are you all with me? And I want to tell you something. Things have really changed in the thinking of mankind and unfortunately with Christians. I know the lost world would like to toot and their horn to say, hey, listen, look at divorces have gone down. It used to be almost just over 50% of marriages would end in divorce, and now it's gone down a little bit. But I want to tell you the reason divorces have gone down is because people are living together. They're not married. And I want to tell you some God's not pleased with that. Whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. And God's not for a person living with somebody they're not married to. One man, one woman for life. That's what God wants for us in our life. All right, now, can I tell you something? That once you get married, it's not going to be that easy. They say 42% of church, I'm talking about people in church, 42% of people who are in church have, get, get a divorce. It's very, very interesting that usually it's about the eighth year, but about the eighth year of marriage, for whatever reason, things start to fall apart. And I want to tell you, the longer you're with a person, we used to say familiarity breeds contempt. The longer you're with a person, you're going to find out there's things that are not the same. Now, if you're with me this morning, say amen. I've got, a, I've got a thought, and I don't think it'll take very long, and it's an interesting thought when you look at Adam and Eve, who had the perfect marriage. But your family, I want to tell you something. You young, young people ought to listen here. If you're going to marry, you better marry somebody as similar to what you are because you've got enough obstacles in your life before you get married. I want to tell you something. You ought to marry a Christian. You have no business marrying an unbeliever, even dating an unbeliever. The Bible says, be, be not unequally yoked together as, uh, in, uh, with unbelievers. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, or in 2 Corinthians 6, actually, and he says, listen, uh, we're supposed to make sure we marry somebody of like faith. I want to tell you something, you ought to marry somebody who comes from the same type of background as much as you can. And I'm not saying a marriage cannot work. I'm just saying the more things you have in common, the easier it will be. You know, sometimes uh, uh, two people get married, and when they start to have children... If their differences of child rearing is completely opposite, it causes for trouble. I mean, if one fellow, maybe this particular fellow over here, he was raised and he went to the Christian school all of, all of his life, or maybe, uh, maybe this fellow over here went to the public school, and th- maybe this young lady over here, maybe she was homeschooled, maybe she came, her education was different. Maybe this particular fellow over here, he was raised in a home where mom and, uh, mom and dad only yelled. Maybe this person over here was raised in a home where mom and dad spanked. I, I don't know, but when you get two people that are raised completely different, I want to tell you something, you've got some obstacles. It's not that you can't overcome those obstacles. I want to say this too while we're here. It doesn't matter how different you were before you got married. Once you're married, you're stuck. And by the way, Adam, Adam, Adam said that. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. The word cleave there actually means glue or cement. You're stuck. And I want to tell you something, you're supposed to stay married. I'm going to amen myself this morning. I can see that right now, all right? You're supposed to stay married. Now, I want to talk to you this morning. I guess I, I just want to tell you right off the bat, if you're married a long time, if you're going to get married, you will have trouble. And you will not go without an argument. I want to tell you something. The only way you go without no arguments in your marriage for years and years and years is if you marry a robot. And then you get to program it. But it's not going to happen. You say, Pastor Ranks, what's chapter and verse on that? Glad you asked. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 28 says this. But, and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh. You're going to have trouble. I want to tell you something. It should not be a surprise when you guys don't agree on something. You know, it's amazing when you first get married and you go off and you go on your honeymoon. That, that honeymoon time is an opportunity to see how much you're different. You know, you, that, that girl that you see, you only see her with her hair fixed just beautiful. She's got all of her makeup on just right. I mean, when you see her, she's got, you know, wonderful breath and beautiful perfume uh, fragrance coming off of her. And then you marry her. 
And the next morning you wake up and you look, look across the room or across the bed and you think, whoa, who are you? <laughs> Hair going every dis- which direction, dragon breath coming out the front, no makeup on. I mean, it's a total stranger. You find out real quick what for better or for worse really meant. <laughs> Amen. Now, I want to tell you, there are no perfect marriages. I want to tell you something. I love my wife to death. She was in, my, in the office before I came out. I said, well, I'm going to preach on marriage this morning. You're not going to be in there, so I guess I can say whatever I want. She laughed. But, my, but I have a very good wife, but my wife and I are different. Now, in our situation, the Lord really blessed. I was a preacher's kid. She was a preacher's kid. She went to Christian school. I went to Christian school. She grew up in a home where they were spanking. I grew up in a home where they were spanking. We have a lot of similarities, but there's still things that are different. I remember when I, before I had married my wife, and you talk about cooking that is different. I remember, I remember when I first, uh, it, was, it was actually, I flew down to El Paso, Texas to ask her dad for her hand in marriage, and I was going to marry her, and, and her dad had gotten bitten by a spider. He was put in the hospital, and so it was just uh, um, her mother and the rest of the family that were there. And that morning I got up, came to the breakfast table, and as soon as I walked in the house, uh, into their house, I said, Who burnt the bacon? Because they, and, and it was burnt, in my opinion. It was burnt, okay? And they brought it over there. Now, my wife comes from a family that when you cook bacon, you cook it like cook it, cook it. All right? I come from a family where you still leave it rubberized. I mean, all of my life, we grew up with that grease coming right off the bacon. The bacon, you know, it bends and it's chewy and you pull it out and it's hot. She comes from a, from a place, I think they smash the bacon. It looks like a stick and it's got dark brown edges all the way around it and, and it snaps when you eat it well I wasn't used to that so as soon as I walk in I look at the bacon I said who burnt the bacon and my wife to be said I did that's how we started now I want to tell you something there's differences in a, in a person's life but you're going to have trouble in the flesh the four major causes for divorce in America today are number one again I don't know the order as far as one, two, three, and four but for, one of the reasons for cause divorce is in-laws because in-laws don't keep their nose out of their children's businesses if you're going to leave your father and mother and cleave to your wife then mom and dad leave them alone amen the second thing uh, that, that's a problem in marriage is, is finances what happens is one or the other can control the finances and I'm going to tell you where it gets really rough the man is supposed to lead the home, but a man that cannot control his spending of money, and he has a wife that can, you're going to have constant trouble when you've got a wife who can control the finances and the man who can't when the man is supposed to be the leader in the home and the woman's controlling the finances. You are always going to have trouble unless you can agree to let her run the finances. But I want to tell you something. Most of the time, there's problems in homes over finances, how money is getting spent. Years and years ago, a fellow came to me and says, hey, listen, I've got trouble in my marriage. I said, what's the problem? He said, I can't keep my wife from spending money. I said, what do you mean? I said, every time I turn around, she gets a different credit card. The last credit card she got, she just put $10,000 on it. I know everybody's home's different. You've got to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. But my wife and I all have, have, both and I have one checking account. I have a savings account, but we have one checking account. She has a debit card. I have a debit card. She can draw from it. I can draw from it. Now, in our marriage, my wife doesn't go spend any type of major money unless she tells me. But I want to tell you something. The lack of, on this area of finances, not, not being able to work together on finances, what happens is they get mad at each other, and they say, no, we're not compatible. It's not a matter of being compatible. You've got trouble in the flesh. So in-laws is a problem. Finance is a problem. Third one is communication. What happens is before they got married, they wine and dine the other. Listen to me this morning. They wine and dine the other one, got her flowers, got her candy, took her out here, and you communicated wonderfully. 
And then when you said, I do, you thought it was done and you stopped talking to her. <laughs> Communication. It's a problem. Last one is romance. And just, not, just again, the romance and marriage understanding of it all. Now, I want, you to under, I want you to talk to you for just a few moments about this trouble in the flesh. And I want to look at Adam and Eve's, Adam and Eve's marriage this morning. And I want to talk to you. And it's not, church family, think for a second here. They had the perfect marriage. Think about it. God, God, God made, not, not just chose, God made the mate for Adam. You couldn't ask for a better situation. You know, some of us say, well, Pastor Hanks, I had people, I've had, over the years, I had a person one time sit across my desk, it was years and years ago. Yeah, come sit across my desk and said, Pastor, uh, I chose the wrong one. What do I do? You stay with them. You make them the right one. I chose the wrong one. I don't know what to do. Miserable, crying. What do I do? It's terrible. Now, just remember, I want to tell you something. There's situations like that. that. That history has repeated itself. I've been here 21 years. That particular instance was probably 16, 17 years ago. And I want to tell you something. History continues to repeat itself. And you think to yourself, I made a bad decision. I made a wrong choice. What do I do, do about it now? You make yourself the best mate possible and pray for God to make your mate the, the best mate possible and have a marriage that's pleasing unto the Lord. Build a marriage for the honor and glory of God. Don't give up and don't quit. But I want you to understand there's troubles that happen in marriages. And here you have Adam and Eve. Perfect place, Garden of Eden. Hey, you ever thought about this? Watch me this morning. You ever thought about this? Eve had no competition. Adam had no competition. He didn't have to worry about uh, Eve getting on Facebook and meeting somebody she didn't know. Come on! I want to tell you something, we've got so much problems in our marriages today because of social media. A person wants to get back and try to find that boyfriend or old girlfriend that they had when they, before they got married 10, 15 years ago. And then all of a sudden you turn around and they're gone. You've got no business talking to an old boyfriend or girlfriend. You've got a boyfriend or girlfriend. It's the one you're married to. Now, this morning, I want to, I want to just point out just some things that really cause trouble in the marriage. Here's the, I want to look at chapter 3. They're all in chapter 3. Look at chapter 3, verse number 1. Here's what it says. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat, it, eat, eat of every tree of the garden. Verse 2, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, uh, knowing good and evil. Now, church family, who's speaking through the serpent? Satan is. Satan is. Hey, can I tell you what's going to cause trouble in your marriage? This is what's going to cause trouble in your marriage. When you start listening to the devil. Hey, when you start listening to the devil. Hey, can I tell you something? You know what caused Adam and Eve's marriage to get a little rocky? When she started having a conversation with the serpent. And I want to tell you something. The devil wants to destroy your marriage. He doesn't want you together. He doesn't want you to stay with those children. He wants you guys separated. He wants a broken life. Just tell me, you don't have to read very, very far into the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter number 5 and chapter number 6 and chapter number 7, when it talks about the strange woman and all the problems that come with a broken marriage and strange children. I want to tell you, I can't tell you how many marriages over the years that you tried to, to salvage and to try to encourage to stay together. And I want to tell you what one of the struggles is. They're trying to pay for a marriage over here from a first marriage, and they're trying to live in the marriage that they're in presently. 
You talk about struggles. A bunch of the money that you're making to support the family that you're in is going to support a family that you're not with. I want to tell you something. If you're married here and you're married to the same woman, I want to tell you, you better thank God that God's allowed you to stay together. And you say, man, I've got so many problems and it's just so terrible. I can't, I, I can't describe how terrible it is when you have to deal with a first mate with a child or two or three and then be married with another mate that you're married here. I want to tell you, you just multiplied your problems a lot. And I, I hope you understand, we've got folks in our church this morning that you're in one of those situations, and I'm not, I hope I, I would never say, never say anything to hurt your situation and, and, and where you're at, but you would be the first one to testify that said, Pastor Hanks, if I had it all to do over again, if I had it all to do over again, wouldn't have done that. And I just want to say this while we're here this morning uh, on that particular subject. I just want you to understand, when you remarry, your obligation... And your focus has to be on the marriage you're in, not the marriage you had. Interesting, I think there's a lot of scripture that we can look at. I don't think God, God didn't leave us in the dark about this situation. And I, you say, well, it's difficult because you say, oh, I got a responsibility to that first wife, or I got a responsibility. When you go to the Old Testament, look at the word duty of marriage. Your duty of marriage is the person you're married to. And those children that you're with that are in your house are the ones that is your responsibility. And I'm not saying there's no responsibility to, to, to pass or, or, and there's no consequences to pass in, but I am trying to say, hey, listen, your major responsibility is who you have with you. Now, quickly this morning, I just want to tell you, you, want to, you, you talk about trouble in your marriage. You're going to have trouble in your marriage when you let the devil uh, start listening to the devil and start talking to the devil. Trisha, can I tell you something? The devil's getting into our marriages and our home, and he's doing it in several different directions, okay? Watch me now. If I have a, if I have a, a house or a closed room that you have to get in there to destroy something, then I want to tell you something. The person on the inside is the one that de- decides whether the door opens and closes. Are you all with me this morning? In other words, boy, I just wish I had a better marriage. But you're trying to tell you something. Marriages are being destroyed because they're listening to the devil and the devil's doing it through pornography. Fellas, I want to tell you, you've got to have some type of self-control to say, I'm going to make myself accountable to my wife. This thing of getting on all, all kinds of different sites and internet places and think to yourself, well, I can control it. I just want you to understand, if you're a red-blooded American, you can't control it. You can't even go to the grocery store and not see all the magazines. And I want to tell you something, what they're putting on the cover of a magazine today in a grocery store used to be a covered magazine in some nightclub or some uh, place of ill repute, but not anymore. I don't want to tell you something. People, young people are seeing more today by going through Kohl's and JCPenney and Walmart than they would have ever seen unless they would have gone to some nightclub or some, some joint that was not where a Christian ought to be. It is public domain. I see all kinds of things today. I want to tell you something. You shouldn't listen to the devil when it comes to television. The wrong kind of friends. The internet. Romance novels. Anything that would cause you to have thoughts about Hollywood or the devil or the world's way of having a marriage. Hey, I, got to, I, got, I want to tell you something. You've got a book in your hand that tells you how to have a good marriage. It's called the Bible. I want to tell you something. Where I struggle is my flesh. It sure isn't the word of God. The word of God tells me how to be the right kind of husband. How to be the right kind of father. And if I don't do those things, it's because I'm not living the spirit-filled life and I'm not reading the word of God. The responsibility of every husband is to love your wife. This morning when I got, actually, I don't think I did did it this morning. But I will before the Lord, before the day gets gets over. But every day I try to ask the Lord to help me be a better husband. Because I'm I'm still a sinful human, God spells out in scripture what I'm supposed to do for my wife. 
And again, you, uh, these things you, you've heard before, but the husband's responsibility has the greater responsibility. The wife's responsibility, yes, she has, she has responsibility. There's 13 things in the Bible the husband's supposed to do, six things in the Bible the wife's supposed to do. The greater responsibility is upon the husband to be what he needs to be for his wife. The devil's doing everything he can to put lies into our home. And when Eve started listening to the serpent, that's where the trouble began. Church family, the devil is always in disguise. Church family, if the devil walked through those back doors, back door right there, you would not know it was the devil. If he was to walk in, you would not know it was him. I mean, the Bible is very, very plain about that. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Just, I mean, you know what's happening? Things are coming into our homes that would never have come into our homes in the past, but because they've got a Christian label on it, what happens is it's, it's ruining our homes, it's ruining our children, and we're saying it's okay because the devil's disguise. Hey, the devil wants, doesn't want you to stay with your wife. You know, I want to tell you something. There was a day that everybody believed that divorce was wrong. Can I tell you that Christians today, not all Christians believe divorce is even wrong. You know, when I do marital counseling for people that are going to get married, one of the first places we start is simply this. If divorce is part of the option, you should not get married. You know, I really cringe with two people that say they're going to get married, and they're already throwing the statements, well... We'll see how it goes. Or statements around, you know, hopefully it'll be for a lifetime. I want to tell you something. If you're not going into marriage saying this is for life, you're really starting off on the wrong foot. Just right. <laughs> I, 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 I want to say a couple more statements here, and I'm going to run to the next point here. But can I tell you this morning, you'd be amazed the problems that people have with their families. Or I'm talking about their spouses. You know, I would say it was been about 12, maybe 13 years ago, a fellow came to my office and he said, uh, no longer here, but he came to my office and he said, uh, Pastor Hanks, I'm problems with my wife. I said, okay, I mean, is there something I can help you with? He says, my wife watches television all the time. Now, I want to tell you something. If your wife watches television all the time, you know, that's bad. But that sure beats her being with somebody else that's not you. That sure beats, and I'll tell you something, there's been all kinds of things. I mean, I've had spouses come to my mind, what do I do with my husband? He he won't stop drinking. He drinks and he, you know, tries to hide it, but he drinks. I don't know what to do about my husband. He's on the internet all the time, and I know he's looking at pornography because he keeps changing the history of, of what's going on on the history as far as what's being pulled up. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do uh, with my wife because, and, and you know, I want to tell you something, there's a, there's a whole lot worse things than watching television. You know, we look at our situation because we're not happy, and we think it's the worst thing in the world, but I just want you to understand, somebody's having a little bit harder time than you're having. Hey, can I tell you something? The devil will use all kinds of things in your marriage to cause you don't listen, to cause you to be disgruntled with your, your spouse. But can I tell you something? Don't listen to him. So here's something else here. Look at verse chapter 3. Look at verse number 6 with me. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Verse 6 says this, And when the woman saw that the tree of knowledge... I'm sorry, that the, I'm sorry. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, 
and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree that uh, desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Look at that last phrase, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now, you want trouble in your marriage, number one, you're going to have trouble in your marriage when you listen to the devil. But number two, you're going to have trouble in your marriage when you try to get your spouse to do wrong. All right? Hey, listen, I'm going to preach through this thing, and I don't care if I have to plow today. Because I want to tell you something. This is so important for marriages. I want to tell you something. Some some of your marriages are in trouble, and you only know they're in trouble. And I want to tell you why they're in trouble. They're in trouble because you're listening to the devil and everything he wants you to do instead of doing what God wants you to do. And I want to tell you, number two, the reason they're in trouble is because you're not doing right, and you're trying to get your spouse to do wrong. And I know what you're thinking. Well, Pastor Hanks, it was Eve. It was a woman. We're going to get there. Don't worry. Here's what I want you to think about, though. It doesn't matter if you're the man or the woman. If you're not doing right, you're shooting yourself in the foot when you get your spouse to do wrong. Hey, I got a question. When you get married, the Bible says that you become one what? Okay, become one flesh. But you're saying, I got a question for you. If I become one flesh and I'm wrong in my spiritual walk and I try to encourage my spouse to be wrong in her spiritual walk, I'm shooting me. Does that make sense? So here we have Adam and Eve. Eve eats of the fruit, and she goes and says, Hey, Adam, come here and take a bite. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, poor Adam, he didn't know. What's your family? The New Testament tells us that he did know. In the book of Timothy, let's see if I got the verse. It's 1 Timothy 2, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy 2, 14. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Listen to that. And Adam was not deceived, But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Okay, so Satan tricks Eve. Eve eats of the fruit and she says, oh my, I shouldn't have done this. But instead of her going to God and saying, hey, listen, I messed up, she goes to her husband and said, hey, why don't you mess up too? Eat of the fruit. Now, church, can I tell you, there's a lot of spouses that instead of iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend, there are a lot of marriages, instead of the spouse being an avenue to encourage spirituality, they are an avenue to encourage carnality. Are you all with me? In other words, a spouse that enjoys the wrong kind of and a, a television, I don't know what they call it today, television, cable, whatever you call it, the wrong kind of movies in the house, and they encourage their spouse to watch that same junk. I'm talking about a spouse that stays up at all ends of the night and tries to keep their other spouse up instead of going to bed at a decent hour so you can get up and have your devotions in the morning. I'm talking about a spouse who decides that I'm going to stay home uh, from church tonight. Why don't you stay home with me too, honey? I want want you to understand that you are are hurting your marriage. You are going to have trouble in your marriage as long as you're trying to get your spouse to do wrong. Get your spouse to do right. It helps you. Quickly, let me get to the third one here. Look at verse number 8 with me. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. You're going to have trouble in your marriage when you listen to the devil. You're going to have trouble in your marriage when you cause your spouse to do wrong. But you're going to have trouble in your marriage when you're hiding from the Lord. You know, Adam and Eve's problem in their marriage, one of them, is because when, in the cool of the day when they normally met with God, they didn't show up. I want to tell you something. When you're not right with God, you're going to hide. You're going to hide from the Lord. 
Hey, church family, if you're with me, say amen. amen. Stay with me now. Please don't, don't let me lose you. I got four points today instead of three, so I, I'm going to fool you, all right? Now, my wife is a night owl. I, I, I'm not a night owl. I, I'd rather go to bed early, get up early. She'd rather stay up late and get up late, all right? That's just the way, I mean, she's always been that way, and I've always been this way, and we've been married 26 years, and so it's always been that way. But when I get up in the morning, I like it when I get up in the morning, and I see that her Bible was moved. In other words, I, she has a particular place that she'll sit down, and sometimes she'll have a paper inside of it. She'll have her devotions at night. I do mine in the morning as far as my own personal devotions. She'll have her personal devotions she's having at night. But I want to tell you something. I, well, we will have a strain on our marriage if one or both of us is not having a walk with God because if you don't have the presence of God in your marriage, you're not going to have a happy marriage. Church, I, mean, I, I, don't have a, I don't have a grease board, but this morning you're going to have to use your imagination, but a triangle is what marriage is all about. A triangle is what marriage is all about. God is at the top, husband, wife. As long as the husband and wife are getting closer to God, they're getting closer to each other. When a husband and wife is getting farther away from God, they're getting farther away from each other. I want to tell you something. There's been many a marriage, unfortunately, it's usually the wife that's, in my experience, usually the wife is the one that's closer to God. Not always, but in a lot of the cases, a wife is closer to God and the husband's not. So a wife is trying to get, over here, I guess, a wife is trying to get closer to God, but the husband's not. And it puts a strain on their marriage because they're not getting close to each other. The wife wants to be at church. The husband doesn't. The wife wants to spend time in her Bible. The, the husband doesn't. Uh, the wife wants to go soul winning. The husband doesn't. And what happens is it causes a strain on their marriage and they're going different directions because they're not, they're not putting God first place in their life. Are you all with me? Now, I want to tell you something. This is, what's, this is what I want you to think about this morning is simply this, is that when you hide from the presence of the Lord as a husband and wife, you are causing trouble in your marriage. Psalm 1611 says, Thou wilt show me the path of, of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. Now think for a second here. If in God's presence is fullness of joy and one spouse is in God's presence and another spouse is not in God's presence, I just want you to understand you're not going to have fullness of joy in your marriage. You're going to have fullness of joy in you as an individual, but it won't be in your marriage because both of you aren't walking with God. Adam and Eve's marriage got messed up because they weren't there in the cool of the day to spend time with God. The Bible says this, it says, when the times of, Acts 3.19, and the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. The times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Church family, when Jonah was running from God, Jonah 1.3 and Jonah 1.10, when Jonah was running from God, what does it say? It says he ran from the presence of the Lord. When you're not right with God, you're not going to want to spend time in your Bible. But when you spend time in your Bible, you're going to want to spend time with God. You're going to want to be closer to him. I want to tell you something, if you're going to have a good marriage. Now, can I tell you, I'm not telling you give up because your spouse is not having a walk with God, and you are. I'm saying if you're having a walk with God, keep it up. Don't stop. You'd be amazed what God can do in a marriage if one or the other of the spouse is not spending time with God. What God could do if one person stays right. The stability in the home is, 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 it doesn't matter if it's man or woman, the stability in the home will be the one who has a walk with God. That's the stability in the home. Church family, at the Heritage Baptist Church, we're going to find out when we get to heaven, the stability of the church was not the person who spoke the loudest, the person in the church who had a walk with God. That's the stability of a church. I don't know where you're at in your devotions, but I want to tell you something. If you do not have a planned way of having your devotions, you are not having your devotions. I had a lady tell me one time, she was having problems in her marriage. First question I asked them when they came in, I said, are you having your devotions? She said, yes. I said, what are you doing for your devotions? She says, well, every day I just open up my Bible, and wherever I open my Bible up to, that's where I read. 
Okay, I want to tell you something. That's not your devotions. Amen. Can I tell you something? You don't have to read from Genesis all the way to Revelation. You don't even have to have, read through chronologically. But I want to tell you something. If you don't have a plan to read, and you don't have a certain amount of chapters or a certain amount of time or a certain amount of something as far as a plan, I just want to tell you, you're probably not having your devotions. This thing is just picking up your Bible once a week. You come to church. You think that going to church is, is enough food spiritually? Then why don't you try eating physically once a week? You're going to get weak physically. You're going to get sick physically. You're going to have headaches physically. And unfortunately, we've got a lot of marriages that are weak, sickly, and full of headaches. And the reason it's that way is because you're not spending any time in the Word of God. Trouble in your marriage? You'll have trouble in your marriage when you listen to the devil. Trouble in your marriage, you'll have trouble in your marriage when you cause your, your, your spouse to do wrong. You'll have trouble in your marriage when you, blend, uh, I'm sorry, you'll have trouble in your marriage when you hide from the Lord. And the last one is an obvious one. Look at chapter 3, look at verse number 11. It says, And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree? Where have I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to me to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Now, last of all, number four is this. You want trouble in your marriage? Then blame others. Now, I want to tell you something. This is probably the bigger one. And I think it's sad. And again, I, I don't know. It's probably my human side. Obviously, I, I, I think through things. And, but I think it's a sad deal when a person will not take individual responsibility for what the problem is. Can I tell you something? Everybody's going to have trouble in your marriage. I just want you to understand, we're not, this is not just you. My wife and I have trouble in our marriage, and she's always wrong. Isn't that what we say? Well, if she'd get right, we wouldn't be having this problem. I want to tell you something. You know, first thing, hey, Adam, how do you know you ate of the fruit? You remember that woman that you gave to be with me? Yeah, that's, that's what happened. Isn't that funny? He was blaming God. You know, God, if you wouldn't have come up with that thing, this would have never happened. Hey, the serpent, the poor little serpent. You know, from what we, we can gather, because the curse on the serpent is that he would be on its belly the rest of his life, from what we can gather, the serpent had legs. Here the serpent could walk around like everybody else. And when he committed this, one of the, one of the curses upon the serpent, that upon, on his belly he would crawl, and of the dust of the earth he would eat the rest of his life. Now, obviously, he's, a snake doesn't have, have legs. It squirrels, squirms around. I don't like snakes, by the way. But you know what? You know what the, you know what the bottom line was? The reason they had problems in their marriage, they had trouble in their marriage, because they were all blaming each other. That's that woman you gave me. That's serpent. You know what individual responsibility says? Individual responsibility does not say this. I know I've got my problems, but... You know what individual responsibility says? Individual responsibility says, okay, there's a problem, but obviously the problem is it takes two to fight. Obviously there's things in my life I can fix. I'm going to stop worrying about what she needs fixed or he needs fixed. I'm going to worry about what I need fixed. And let the Lord do what, he, what needs to be done. Hey, if in your marriage, you will have trouble, by the way. When those troubles come, 
Stop getting mad at her or him and get mad at you. Hey, I want to tell you something. My flesh likes to blame my wife. My flesh does. Now, I don't normally yell at my wife. I came from a yelling home. My dad, he really raised his voice loud. I, I don't yell at my wife for the most part. You can ask her. She's not in here, so I can say whatever I want. No, but you could ask her. But I'm not a yeller, but I do, I do grit my teeth. And she knows it. And then not only do I grit my teeth sometimes, sometimes I get sarcastic. Sarcastic. It's my way of telling my wife that I'm not happy. I'll get sarcastic. Uh, Sharon caught it the other day. Sharon and I were out with John Michael and her. They're, they're supposed to get married uh, by God's grace. But uh, John, John Michael and Sharon. And so Sharon and I were out. And uh, uh, it was something about them getting married. And, and uh, I told, oh, I know what it was. I told my wife, I said, you know, listen, you need, I would take them to, to uh, JCPenney in Topeka. No, no, I started taking them to men's uh, warehouse in Topeka. And I would say, let, let them choose this, this, and this. And uh, my wife said something to the effect, you know, you know that, that we really don't need to do that. Okay, well, I just got done saying I would go to Topeka. And she said, well, I don't think I'd really do that. Well, she disagreed with me. And we all know the man is always right. Somebody say amen. <laughs> you men are so, so chicken. I wouldn't say amen either. Your wife's sitting next to you, all right? <laughs> all right? So anyway, so when my wife said that, I didn't get upset, but I was sarcastic with her. I said, you know what? I wouldn't go to men's warehouse either. I said, I, I would just waste the rest of the day. I would just do your own thing. I mean, John Michael's only here for a day. You know, they're going to get married in 16 weeks. I don't think it's a big deal. That's all, and I, that's, that's exactly how I said it. But you know what I was saying? I'm not happy with that decision. Now, just remember, I want to tell you something. We do stuff in our marriage. You might not be a yeller, but you might be a sarcasticer. It's an English word, by the way. You, you, might do, uh, you might do things to show your wife. You know what? Every morning you make her coffee because she's a sinner. You might make her coffee and she needs her sinner, great, or sinner coffee. And you're upset with her. So you don't make the coffee. That's your way of saying, I'm not happy with you. Right? You know, you all look so angelic right now. Like, like your marriages are just so perfect. Hey, can I tell you something? All of us have trouble in our marriage. And I'm trying to say, when you have trouble in your marriage, you make the trouble worse when you don't take the blame. Church family. <laughs> All right, I'm going to tell one of my secrets here, okay? This is a pastoral secret. Are you ready? I hate to do it. I'm, go- I'm vulnerable. I'm going to have to. If you get mad at me, and you're wrong, but the wrong does not matter to me, I'll tell you you're right. (sighs) You lie to us. No, I tell you what you want to hear. If you're wrong, and what you're wrong about doesn't matter. In other words, it's not going to matter 100 years from now. It's not a big deal. It won't change me. I know you're wrong, though. I can agree with you. You know why I can agree with you? So that you and I stay at one. How come you can be married to somebody, but you have to prove you're right? How, how, and we're talking about things that don't matter. It, 
does not matter. This morning, last night, my wife puts different food on the counter last night because Brother Dameron's with us and we're going to have a meal for him. And she put, puts all this food out for me last night. And she says, what would you like to have? And so I came into the kitchen last night and she showed me all the different things. She had uh, two, 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 two meats, I think it was, and then she had a casserole and she had some corn and some green beans. She had it all sitting out on the counter for me. And she says, what would you like for, for lunch tomorrow? Now, to be honest with you, don't tell my wife. It doesn't matter to me. It all looked good. I could eat all of it right now. But she wanted me to be involved in the decision-making. So I said, I'd have the turkey, and there was one other meat. I don't remember what it was. Turkey, ham, you know what the third one was? Seasoned chicken, chicken. I said, I had the tur- I'd have the chicken and the turkey. I hope you like chicken and turkey, Brother Damer. I said, I'd have the chicken and turkey, I'd have those two vegetables, and, I, and then if you, you, uh, I'd have the potatoes. He says, well, you think I should do the cash? I say, hey, it's up to you. It doesn't matter. If my wife only served turkey today, I'd be fine. That's one more meat than I would have had. Are you all with me? I really offended my wife years, a couple years ago. It seemed like a couple years ago. I was preaching in a service like this, and sometimes I was a little bit too transparent. Remember how I told you how my wife made that Italian chicken for all these years, and she was really proud of it? And she'd make Italian chicken all the time. I mean, for Sunday lunch, I'd come home and have an Italian chicken. And this went on for years and years and years. And I don't like Italian chicken. I have never liked Italian chicken. She takes, she takes baked chicken and she uses that Italian dressing. Well, I don't like Italian dressing at all. I'm not Italian. I'm American. So I didn't think anything of it. So during a service, I used an illustration and said, yeah, you know, my wife makes Italian chicken. I don't like Italian chicken. You just go on with life. Well, she, one of you dingbats told her. <laughs> so when we got home, she said, honey, I wish you'd have told me you didn't like Italian chicken. I said, but you like it. She said, I mean, she was really, I hurt her feelings. She said, I had no idea that you didn't like that because every time we had Italian chicken, I ate it. It tastes terrible. (laughs) You know, the problem we have in our marriage is this. We're not just, we, for some reason, we can't take the second seat and say, okay, it's not a big deal. It's okay. I want to tell you some devil's fight in your marriage. Some of you have been married a long time. Some of you have been married a short time. There's some of you that are, you know, Samuel. Samuel, you're getting married in March, aren't you? You still getting married? She still love you? I can't believe it. <laughs> I want to tell you something. He's going to get married here, and I want to tell you something. His life is going to change, and we all smile because we know. And the longer he's married, he's going to find out that they have some differences. And that's not how we do things. And that's not how my parents raised me. And I I don't think we should be doing that. And and they're going to have some confrontation. But church family, does confrontation mean they shouldn't have been married? Does trouble mean that they they made a mistake? I don't think so. But I do think think there's some things that we can be careful that we're not listening to the devil, that we're not causing a stumbling block to our spouse and causing them to sin, that we're trying to make sure that we do everything we can according to the word of God. 
I think we need it. I think when a, a trouble comes that we can stop t- trying to pass the buck and pass the blame and say, hey, listen, unless there's something in my life I need to change, I'll make sure we do that. Hey, by the way, I'm done. <clears throat> Last week I went home. I, I took my dial bar of soap. I've been raised on dial bars of soap all of my life until I got married. Then when we got married, I never saw a dial bar of soap ever. I couldn't figure out why. So then I went, my wife was out of town, so I went and bought me dial soap. It's the first time in 26 years that I finally got dial soap again. I took it out of the package and I started using it, lathered up, you know, got myself real clean. And my wife that day says, why did you buy dial soap? I said, I like dial soap. She says, I don't like dial soap. She says, it stinks. That's what she said. It stinks. And I looked at her and I said, how come you never told me you didn't like dial soap? She says, it leaves a soap scum in the bathroom. I don't like the way it smells. And she had one, a third reason. Now, I like dial soap. But I went home and took my dial soap and threw it away. Now, the ones in the package, she can give away. The one I used, it's in the garbage. I'm back to zest. Fresh smelling zest. I just feel so much better. <laughs> hey, you know what I'm trying to say? The dial soap is not a big deal. If she don't like dial soap, who cares? I can use anything. You know, I want to tell you something. A lot of trouble that we're having in our marriage is because we all want to stand our ground. And you know what? The things you're standing your ground over mean nothing. It's pride. Hey, God wants you to have a good marriage. Devil's fighting you. I mean fighting you. Hey, by the way, he destroys your marriage. He's going to destroy your children. Because your children are going to have a replica of what your marriage is. Trouble in your marriage? It's going to happen. Hey, that is funny. That evangelist said he'd been married 26 years and never had an argument. I want to be honest. I've been married 26 years and I've had an argument. But I still love the woman I'm married to. I'm thankful every day of my life that God gave her to me. And I ask God to give both of us wisdom on a daily basis to be able to rear the children the children turn out for the Lord. You can make it. You can. Would you go ahead and close your eyes this morning? Thanks for listening to the Baptist Pulpit. Second Timothy chapter 4 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We pray that through the challenging preaching of the Word of God today, that you will be encouraged to stay faithful in preaching the Word and hearing the Word. Lester Roloff many years ago said, the world's greatest need is preaching preachers. Let's pray that in this day and this hour, we will stay faithful to the preaching of Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening to the Baptist Pulpit.